We're in this seven-week series, and so we're only in week three. But the first week, remember, was the overview week. And then you all got to vote on me if I stayed or not. So I'm still here. Uh, then last week, we started talking about uh, God's love towards us. Let's just be, get something out of the way. I cannot in 30 minutes describe how much God loves us. I did my best attempt, but there are so many things that I'm, you know, so if you know that I miss loyal love, mercy, grace, yes, I am well aware, and hopefully we'll continue to, but God's love for us and the, the Father's love. Today, we're going to be dealing with how do we love God? So God's loved us. That's the foundation. How do we love God? If you were here last week, I gave you two challenges, okay? So the first one was... Can you spend 15 minutes in the awe of God, like realizing how big God is? I can tell you that happened to me Monday night. That, when you saw the lightning, like I couldn't really look at it. It's never been that night, and like, because it was like blinding my eyes. I also didn't help when I turned on one of my flashlights. I looked right into it, and it sort of threw me off. So, uh, but outside is the all of God. And the reason why I wanted to say that there was nothing I could do if God wanted to take me out. Like, we think we have so much control. But at that moment, I was like, I have no power. There is nothing. God is in charge. I don't even think that was a big thing for God. Like, but God, the all of God. Oh, how powerful. How powerful. There's a little bit of like, oh, there, but there was also like this, like refreshing that like in humility being like, it's in your hands, God. Like, I think sometimes we get this uh, of being afraid, but there's this like this all powerful. And I'm like, I'm not even on the same level. So it's in your hands. So I asked you to do that. So maybe that was Monday night or maybe you still haven't done that. My other request was to have 15 minutes of a situation that you're going through that you haven't put God first in. So maybe it was a situation where you and a family member aren't getting along, and it's been going a long time. Have you viewed it through the prism of God loving you first? Have you viewed it in that way? Because we talked about Hosea the last weekend, how... We had to love through that, through the, he was supposed to, as an example, love a prostitute to show that God's love is for us even when we've done all this horrible stuff. And write it down. So I just want to continue. You, you have homework. So I'm, I'm saying, try to write it down. Journal it if you want to. Write it down. Because then the next thing is, is share it with someone. I'm not saying if you want to share it with me, I would love it. But if you're not at that place, that's fine. But there are people in your life and in this church that care for you. So the best way to grow from that is to share it. So today, we're going to keep on talking about the love God part. So today is going to be a little bit more of the vertical relationship. And we're going to dig into that. So we're going to be in Matthew 22 a lot today, okay? 
So we're going to be over a few places in Matthew 22. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up. But also, they did a great job of getting the scripture up there and ready. So before we get to where Jesus replies, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to trap him because they want to prove that he's false, a false prophet, or uh, so they can basically, you know, kill him for blasphemy. Get rid of him. Get out of here because if we can prove that he's wrong, it's out of here. So they're trying to catch him. So the Pharisees get together, and what I love is right before this, they get one of the experts of the law. It's like they bring in a ringer. So they bring in someone that law, and they tested him with this question before, before he replies. They say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, I don't know about you. Have any of you ever been asked a question where you know there's hidden meaning behind it? Like they want you to lean a certain direction, that there is something... They want to trap you. They want to get you. Well, that's what they're doing right here. They're trying to trap him. And this is what Jesus replies up here. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Talk about a mic drop. Just boom. Walk away. Because then they walk away. They were in awe. And they they cannot respond back to this. But my main question is, what does it look like to live this way? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We're going to talk about that today. Okay. The first point on the, on the paper says w- this is a vertical relationship, okay? We're talked about that. The first three, the next three weeks are going to be all about our relationship with God. The final two are going to be a horizontal relationship, how we interact with other people, okay? They will overlap. You can't not love God and not love people, but I just wanted you to know we're going to be focusing more on the vertical part for the next couple weeks. So... The first one, right after that, is let's begin with knowledge love. So it is knowledge love. He says with your mind. And we aren't, we aren't going to spend too much time here because, just so you know, the next two weeks are how do we know God and God know us. But I do want us to know a little bit here as we uh, move forward. I do believe when we're talking about knowledge love, that there are many Christians out there waiting, thinking, when God needs something, he'll let me know. Thinking when God needs something, that he'll just, he'll tell me. He'll tell me. We live in sometimes with God a wait and see mentality. Like, we'll wait and see where God sort of leads. I want to challenge you on this. I believe that when you love someone or God, you attempt to know them. 
That is an avenue of loving. God has given you a lot of information already to know about him. Right here. An avenue of knowing someone is pursuing that relationship. To know. I told you a couple of weeks ago, the first time I saw my wife, but she wasn't my wife then, I saw her and was like, well, I know she's attractive. That is information. Congratulations. I got information. But my avenue of loving her was pursuing her, was going after her, talking to her. That is a difference. And we'll dig more into that next couple weeks, but that is knowledge, love. The second one is obedient love. How can you be obedient if you don't know someone or how that person wants you to be? Like, if, the, if you want to be obedient, if you're, if you're saying you're obedient, then you need to know that person how to be obedient properly. Jesus tells us, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That means we have to know what he commands. I also relate this one closely, and some people will maybe scratch their head, but I close this one. If we love God properly, uh, it relates to the fear of God. Fear of God. What does that look like? So it says, in Proverbs 1.7, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I'm just telling you, these all overlap, and it's beautiful. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools... And we're not a, he's, they're talking about morally deficient people when they say fools. Morally, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are different aspects of when you fear, the, fear God, okay? If you are not right before God, if you are not a believer, you fear God because of the judgment that is coming. It is a different kind of fear than a fear that a believer should have. Also, let me give you an example. Because I think some of us always, when we hear fear of God, there's like this, like, we need to be afraid, afraid. And I, I think there is a level of the reverence of the awe of God that there's a separation. But I also think, say that you're having your favorite person of all time come over for dinner. So maybe you're into sports and it's Michael Jordan. Maybe you're, uh, like, it's a pastor that I really respect. I like, uh, like a Robbie Gallaty, a John MacArthur, or someone that you guys are like, oh, I really respect. Or it's just someone that you hold in high regard. Say they're coming over for dinner. They come over for dinner. You're making the food. You're getting it all ready. You serve them, and then you ask them when they're halfway through, how was it? Because usually they'll say, oh, it was good. And then you're, and, and you're saying, oh, because I was afraid of what you might think. You were afraid of what you might think. You weren't afraid that that person didn't like your meatloaf and just got up and punched you in the face. You were afraid of how they would respond to it because you have a reverence for them. You have the proper, 
putting them in the right place above yourself. And that's what God's saying is, do you have the proper reverence for me? Is God in the right place when you're serving him? Because it's a different, different level than serving your favorite athlete food. I'm like, but there, there's a different thing. It's not like, oh, I'm afraid that they're going to be mean or angry. Or, and that's sometimes where we put like this, this falseness on God. No, it's the proper reverence to God. Third point, intimacy love. Okay. I would also add, if, you were, if you're taking notes, and put, I would put vulnerability like worship, praise. I'll put another one here in a couple seconds, but I think when you hear intimacy, I think the first thing you think of is usually man and wife kind of intimacy. Um, so I would say I think there's a part of that, that closeness, that bond, but I also think that's why I like the word vulnerability because I think there's a little bit more going on than just that. And I'm going to be a little bit more bold because another word I would add would be wrestling with God when you're doing intimacy. So Israel, Israel even means wrestling with God or contends with God or struggles with God. And that's God's chosen people. So I'm, there's an intimacy there. Think about the most intimate person you're with or know. So that might be my dad knows everything about me. You know, my, think about the one. Me, it's my wife. My wife knows more about me than anyone else. I know more about her than anyone else. So don't cross me. But I can also be pretty frank that We've not physically wrestled, but we've had arguments. We've had those conversations where we don't see eye to eye. We don't agree. We are battling it out. That's the real relationship. I'm sorry. When you post stuff on Facebook and it's everyone smiling, congratulations. But I also know that's not how it all is 24-7. Just walking around, hand in hand, or like that's not a relationship. That's a snapshot, but a relationship in the intimacy is the wrestling, the closeness. But I tell you this usually, when you get past the wrestling, there's more trust and you've built your relationship stronger. Have you ever gone through something and then all of a sudden, Oh, I, it's not fun during the time, but then there's growth because of the wrestling. And that's just like God. And the funny thing is God is at another level than us, but he wants that intimacy with us. He wants it. There's sometimes where I get asked, like, am I allowed to be mad at God, yell at God? And I'm like, well, like one, theologically, I'm like, I wouldn't do it a lot. But yes, like, no, I also get, yes, like you are allowed to have a relationship with God. Put them in the right area, like to be knowledge God, obey God, and then you can have more true intimacy with him. 
In all of these three points, though, I do want you to walk away with something that, uh, and learn something. I don't want this to be a checklist. Because what sort of happens when we start talking about loving God, it's like, okay, I read five minutes today. Check, I'm good. Well, is five minutes good enough, or is it 15? Or is it 30? Or is it an hour? Or is it 10 hours? Like, when... When is that checklist? Like, I think a lot of times we start already like, okay, if I do this and do this, do this, God's going to love me. Like, we already talked about this last week. God already loves you even though you <laughs> don't deserve it. But this week is how do we get the intimacy? How do we do that? And that's through knowledge, obedience, and intimacy. But is it a checklist? This leads to my next point. That is... The only way that you can be truly get these things without the checklist is to live by the Spirit. I use live by the Spirit because I believe it wraps up these points are all trying to say. <clears throat> Many of us actually know a lot of the right answers and can even fake it in certain aspects of our lives. I don't know about if you when you were in high school or whatever. You could be different at different places. When you walk into church, you knew how to act and respond. You knew the parameters. When you're at a party Friday night, you know the parameters of how to operate there. When you're at your mom and dad's house, you know the parameters, okay? That's not living by the Spirit. That is fitting in in certain aspects of the kind of atmosphere that you're in. An example that I say of this, if, if you have the, uh, the, right, the top three but not the bottom one, is take the example, and, and I've read this example uh, multiple times, of the valedictorian. Valedictorian, you're the top, top of the top. You got all the best grades. Everyone assumes that you're going to be able to make it in the real world, because you, you know all the stuff. And I read multiple times that there, and one example was, a valedictorian got arrested for selling drugs. Knowledge does not mean execution. You can know how to act in certain spots. You can know all the stuff, but that does not mean you know how to execute loving God. It's part of the process. If you never know how to do it, you can't do it. But just knowing, that's why you have to live by the Spirit. And the best way that I can show you how to live by the Spirit is going to be in Matthew 22, 15 through 22. You can read it up there. Uh, I'll read my version as well right here. It goes, Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. It seems like the Pharisees and them are really have it out for Jesus. Like, this is the second. It's all right. They're laying out plans. They sent their disciples to him along with the uh, <coughs> Herodians. They say, Teacher. They said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God 
man, they're already laying on thick. Like, they're already like, we know, like, you're good. They're like, teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. All right, you guys are going to be able to do this because, yes, this is super cheesy, super cheesy. But I'm going to pass these out. You guys got to pass them around. It's like I used to be a youth pastor, so I did this stuff all the time. So there you go. Here, you can pass these back. Then I'll back here. I'll pass them. Make sure everyone, get, you, everyone gets one. They're plastic. They're not real. I was trying to get a bunch of real ones, but they were really expensive. So, so they're just plastic, but it's just a plastic coin. And on it, they said, uh, so they basically, while you're passing this out, they said, but Jesus, knowing their evil text, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, whose image is on it, and whose inscription? And they go, Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and the gods what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. Now, it's a good response. I don't think it's as, like, mic drop as the last one. It's a good response, but why were they such amazed? But I think we have to dig, on, dig into what's really going on here a little bit deeper, and that is something that's happening at Mount Sinai. Okay, so now we're going back to the Old Testament. This is when I start really getting excited because this is awesome. Okay, one of the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments is this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Okay? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, most people today use this as improper language about God's name. Now, there is some of that in here, but there's much more going on. The Hebrew word actually is nasah, okay? which actually is really close to looking like. So an easy way to remember this is NASA. So NASA, NASA. So it actually means uh, lifted up. So in Hebrews, it's actually saying, you shall not lift up or carry the name of the Lord your God in vain. Okay? So it's not just a language thing. There's more going on than this language thing. Because one of the examples is uh, Aaron carries the 12 precious stones with the tribe on it, and it's called Nassas. He carries the 12 tribes. He also has this, and I want to make sure this is right. He also carries a name of a golden medallion on his forehead that says, Holy belonging to Yahweh. Holy belonging to Yahweh. This is not just a matter of improper speech. Leviticus is actually what talks about 
that there is much more different ways that you can pro- profane God's name. Talks about this. Goes, Israel could profane the name of Yahweh through child sacrifice to Molech, false swearing, that's basically lying or under oath, saying uh, pagan funeral rites, cursing Yahweh. Leviticus 22, 31-32 links profaning the name with breaking any commands. So now we go to Jesus. Okay, so we got Jesus and we have this back here. And we're going to see him connect. Now, to give proper credit to do, I took a lot of this from a book called Bearing God's Name by Carmen Joy Emis. And she says this, Jesus is greater in Moses that he offers even a greater precious gift at Sinai. According to Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He represents the Father perfectly, but not as the first image of God. The first humans were designed as God's image in Genesis 1, 26, 27. So God created man in his own image. He created them uh, in the image of God. He created them male and female, okay? So just getting something set. Like, Jesus isn't the first image of God. Humans were, okay? So human, like Adam and Eve were in the image of God. I'm not saying, I want to make sure this, that we're not God's. You know, we're not gods. We're in the image of God, okay? Image of God, boom. That's the start off. Now think about this. What did all the other false gods, what were, we, what were Israel not supposed to worship at that time or not supposed to build? What were they not supposed to build? Idols. What were idols? Images of false gods. Okay, so God did not want any image because he had already created the image. What image did he already create? Humans, man. So every time you see a human, you are seeing an image of God. You're not supposed to worship them. You're just seeing the image of God. That's why he did not want any false idols. Didn't want fake when the golden calf is, because now you are limiting God to what that is. It is a calf. It is not that. And that's why all the other gods wanted images, because that's the way they were worshipped, through images. Beautiful stuff. Um, So now you have God, so the image part. So you could say, but there is a difference and an important difference of being an image of God or bearing God's name. So Aaron was the one responsible for bearing God's name when he wore the golden medal around his head. Every human being is an image bearer of God, whether they're conscious of it or not. But name bearers is restricted to those in a covenant relationship with Yahweh. Like an example of this, and uh, it sort of talks about it, in Revelation, and it talks about it, it is, you are, basically, have you ever gone to, like, a, a roller rink, or you've gone somewhere, and you get your hand stamped, and then under black light, you see it, but everywhere else, you don't? It's basically saying that you are marked as spiritually, either as gods or not. So you are marked as gods or not in this, in this world. Might not be able to be seen by a human, but you are marked 
She goes on to say, Jesus fulfills both dimensions of election by perfectly imaging and bearing his name with honor. Jesus is human par excellence as well as the faithful covenant member through whom others can be reconciled to God. So, Jesus alludes to this in the story of Matthew 22. When he's saying, so give back to Caesar's what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Do you see what he's doing there? This was marked. This was marked by, for Caesar. The coin was marked. You as a human are marked for his. So that's why he's saying, God, give back to God's. You know, if give back to him. To love God properly, you need to bear his name properly. You need to bear his name. The best example I could use to do this is I'm a huge Indiana basketball fan and a Florida State football fan. Okay? I know it's weird. Got two of them. Fine. Say I'm at an IU basketball game. I'm wearing the jersey. I am, I am cheering for the IU Hoosiers, and I am, I'm going all out. Say that I say some things that aren't really great. And I'm, there's kids around. There's people around. I'm cheering. I'm going just nuts. But I was probably rude. Probably wasn't great. Then all of a sudden, those kids around me didn't really care about the game. But the next time they think about Indiana basketball, they think, oh, that guy was a jerk. I'm not really a fan of IU. I want IU to lose. I want IU to lose. If you are bearing God's name, you are wearing God's jersey. You are wearing it. How many times have we bared God's name poorly? Where someone now doesn't want anything to do with it because you wore that jersey. You bore God's name in a way that was not Christ-like. And now all of a sudden they're like, I don't want nothing to do with that team. I don't want anything to do with that. To love God properly is to bear his name properly, to show reverence to it, to know what it is, and to have intimacy in it. If I'm at an IU game, I know who's playing. I know how the game works. I know the scores, two, threes. I have my favorite player. I am there. I paid money to get to the game because there's an intimacy to it. There's oh, obedient because, you know, I know that, this is the game that is played, and we have to be here to support our team. It could be just a checklist. Oh, I showed up, I did this, I did this. Or it could be actually the full investment of it. That's why I think it's so important that it's, we're just not taking God's name in vain, just our language, but there's so much more. How do we love people properly? I know this is just plastic but I hope it might give you a little representation that every day that you go out, you bear something. 
depends on what you want to bear. What do you want to represent? Do you want to represent the world? Which right now is the easiest thing to do. Is that what you want to represent? Or do you want to represent God, your Father, Jesus, through love? Loving radically, loving differently. Let me end with this commentary. This commentary, I, I, it put a, of what I really wanted to come across this week. What God wants most is that he, he wants from us love. We often think God demands a hundred other things from us. Our money, our time, our effort, our will, our submission, and so forth. But what God really wants is our love. When we really love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then everything else is freely given to the Lord. If we give the Lord all the rest, money, time, effort, will, and so forth, without giving him love, it is all wasted and perhaps all is lost. Let us bear his name in all ways. And when we do, we love God fully. Let us pray. There any Father, thank you so much for this week of time together with you and just diving into knowing you better. And knowing you is being obedient to you. Being obedient is being intimate with you.